Introduction When it comes to succeeding in life, virtually nothing is as important as confidence. Whether it's at work, with friends, or with women, the results, the respect, and the spoils go to those with confidence, while everyone else picks up the scraps. Confidence certainly isn't the only thing that's important in life. Of course, you need some skills and know-how, as well as other positive personality traits. Things to be confident about. But confidence is the glue that holds it all together. You could read everything under the sun about how to attract the girl of your dreams, get your dream job, or create a booming social life. But if you don't have the underlying confidence to actually do it, all that knowledge means absolutely nothing. The theme of this book is being, not simply knowing or doing. Knowing how to do something doesn't mean you have the guts or the ambition to do it. Likewise, simply doing something, going through the motions, doesn't guarantee success either. No, neither can be a substitute for being. And confidence is what lets you do just that. Not think it or know it or pretend to do it, but to be the kind of alpha guy that so many guys want to be. If that's what you're looking for, you've come to the right place. This book is about learning to be confident and consequently enjoy all the success that that comes with. In the first two sections, I'll lay down the groundwork to give you a map of where you'll be going and how. This understanding will keep you from getting lost on a wild goose chase and focused on what really produces big results. In the last section, I'll give you a step-by-step -step program to build unshakable confidence. The only question now is, can you handle it? Part 1. The Foundations of Confidence In this chapter, you will learn what confidence is and where it comes from, how you can start building it right now. What is confidence and how do I get it? With all the buzz surrounding the idea of confidence, it's interesting that so few people actually understand what it is. We certainly know it when we see it. You can probably think of some confident people you know instantly, and when you first meet someone, you usually know how confident they are in the first minute of meeting them. A girl might say she likes a guy because he's so confident, but she might not really know what that entails or how he got to be that way. So what is confidence and how do we get it? That's what this chapter is all about. Building a foundation. Simply put, confidence is your belief in your ability to do something. It's also a healthy belief in your own self-worth. When we see someone who's confident, we're seeing a person who deeply believes he's worthwhile and who trusts himself to be successful in the situation he's in. When you see a guy confidently walk up to a girl, chat her up, and get her phone number, what you're seeing is someone who believes he deserves her and believes that he can show her that. Confidence is believing you deserve something and believing that you have the skills to get it. You can think about confidence like the foundation of a house. It's what holds everything else up 
and keeps it from collapsing under pressure. If you read some of the previous books in this series, you'll remember some of the tactics we learned to move towards being an alpha male. Body language, charisma, eye contact, and so on. For the alpha male, those make up the house. The amalgamation of attractive alpha characteristics that will get you just about anything you want in life. But without a foundation of confidence, the house collapses at the first sign of adversity. Let's use this analogy to look at one specific aspect of confidence. Say your confidence with women. Like any foundation, your confidence with women has many parts and is influenced differently by a whole lot of different things. Some parts may be more important than others, just like the concrete and support beams in a foundation, but countless different aspects of your life need to come together to create the confidence with women, or lack thereof, that you currently have. But where does this confidence come from, and how do you get it? Put simply, your current confidence, foundation, is just a mix of all the beliefs and past reference experiences you've had. Going back to the example of confidence with women, the foundation for most people is based on their past experiences with women, their beliefs about women, their beliefs about themselves, their perceived ability to attract women, and their degree of confidence in all other areas of their life. Again, with the foundation example, your beliefs about your ability to attract women might be your concrete, your view of your own physical attractiveness might be your floorboards, and your conception of how smart or funny or interesting you are might make up support beams. Exactly what you relate to what doesn't really matter. What's important is that you understand that these beliefs come together to create and mold your level of confidence with women. Let's look at two people and see how their confidence with women might have been shaped by some of these factors. Person A Person A, we'll call him Matt, is born to parents who aren't really ready to have kids, but decided to give it a try anyway. He's an only child living in an apartment in a mid-sized town about an hour's drive away from the city. His parents have good intentions, but are often stressed and overwhelmed by work and life. Being busy and having so many of their own physical and emotional problems, they don't pay as much attention to helping Matt develop healthy emotional habits, nor would they really be able to if they tried. Since his parents are so busy and stressed, Matt doesn't get to play with other children as often as he'd like and spends more of his time playing with toys or watching TV. When school starts, Matt has some difficulty making friends, although there are a couple of people he likes. Nevertheless, he spends most of his free time reading or playing video games, and his parents aren't particularly concerned with his lack of social activities because they're busy with their own problems. Matt is interested in girls, but he doesn't really know what to do about it. The boys, who the pretty girls like, seem cool and confident, and Matt feels awkward in social situations. Instead of attributing this to his lack of social experience and confidence, Matt decides that there's something wrong with him. Although if you asked him, he'd tell you that girls should like him because he's a nice, intelligent guy, and that they're hypocrites for saying that that's what they want and then going off with the confident, alpha guys. 
Subconsciously, he feels inadequate. When he talks to girls, that feeling of inadequacy, as well as his lack of social savvy, comes through in the way he acts, and girls don't want to date him. The vicious cycle continues, and he spirals deeper into a pit of anxiety, bitterness, and rationalizations. Person B. Person B, who we'll call Sam, is born to rich, well-connected parents living in a suburb just outside the city, about an hour away from Matt. Sean has a younger sister who he spends a lot of time playing with, and he quickly learns how girls can be different than boys. He has a good relationship with both his parents, and they make sure to enroll him in plenty of activities, social and otherwise. He plays sports from a young age and spends lots of time with his friends, all the while soaking up social savvy and building confidence. When girls start coming into the picture, Sam doesn't really know what to do either, but girls seem to like him so he spends a lot of time hanging out with them and dating them. Through a bit of trial and error, he quickly figures out how dating works and becomes better at attracting the girls he likes. He takes more chances because he's used to girls liking him and rapidly accumulates more and more experiences. The more girls that like him, the more confidence he has around them. Because he's a fun, social guy and he hangs out with the cutest girls, other cool guys want to hang around him. With more friends, he spends more time socializing and more time learning about girls and relationships. And the upward spiral continues. What's your foundation? In the above examples, what do Sam and Matt's foundations look like? It should be pretty obvious. Sam develops a strong foundation of confidence, and Matt does not. The idea here isn't that you're given a certain level of confidence resulting from your upbringing and that shapes the rest of your life. Far from it. While your life up to this point does largely influence your level of confidence, what you do going forward has the potential to massively change that. The only real difference between Sam and Matt is that Sam accumulated a bunch of positive reference experiences and chose to interpret things positively and to take risks which in turn created more reference experiences. Matt didn't accumulate those reference experiences and when things were frustrating, rather than attributing to his lack of social experience, he decided something must be wrong with him and something must be wrong with girls for liking the kinds of guys they do. Make sure you understand all that before reading on. Read that last paragraph again. It's not just about what happens to you, but how you interpret it and what you choose to do about it. With all that in mind, what does your foundation look like? In what ways have you failed to build up some of the skills that create confidence? How could you start to build them now? In what ways have you interpreted things to mean that you're not good enough or that there's something wrong with the way things work? How could you instead see those things more objectively? Not necessarily good or bad, but just the logical consequence of your life and your thinking so far. Can you think of any solutions going forward? If you're still not sure what to do next, don't worry. The last section of this book will give you a step-by-step -step plan for building confidence. 
Before we do that, though, there's one more big concept to understand. In the next chapter, we'll talk about how to diversify your confidence and make it bulletproof. Part 2. Diversify. How to make your confidence bulletproof. In this chapter, you will learn why you need to diversify your sources of confidence, how to start building an unshakable foundation. Diversify your confidence. If you'd invested all your money in Japanese stocks in the 1980s, you'd have earned about 20% per year, increasing your money sixfold in less than 10 years. If you were 40 years old and you'd started with $100,000, by the time 1989 rolled around, you'd probably be getting ready to be a millionaire in a few years and retire early, all for no work at all. Sounds like a pretty good deal, huh? Well, with all your money in Japanese stocks, you'd then have lost about two-thirds of your money over the next 20 years and be forced to build back up all over again. Maybe now you'll get to retire when you're 80, just about 30 years later than when you thought. In investing, it's easy to see the importance of diversification. If you're well diversified and one country or company crashes, it's probably only a small percentage of your portfolio. While you may not earn 20% per year, you wouldn't lose all your money either. When it comes to confidence though, most of us suck at diversifying. Most of us pick a few things we want to be good at, things that are important to us, things that we want, or things we were pushed in to derive our sense of confidence from, and we put all our eggs in those few baskets. Maybe you're an amazing college basketball player with a gorgeous girlfriend. You're destined for the NBA and the good life. Sounds like a nice place to be. Well, when the next pick rolls around, you don't end up getting drafted. College is over, and so is your basketball career. You get pissed, have a fight with your girlfriend, and break up. So, what now? Both things that you derived your sense of confidence from are gone. Your identity is up in the air. Since basketball was your focus and you don't have a lot of other skills, your options are limited. Furthermore, without the forgiving social environment of being a star athlete in college, you can't hope to date girls as attractive as your last girlfriend. This is what happens when you don't diversify your identity. You put all your confidence in one or two baskets, and when those baskets fail, your confidence is shattered. People do this all the time. They identify with being good with girls and then are emotionally ruined when they break up with their girlfriend or several girls reject them. Identify with being smart and then have an identity crisis when they have to take organic chemistry in college and get a C. Identify with being good looking and then go to a top club where most of the guys are tall and jacked with strong jawlines and high cheekbones and their confidence crumbles. Identify with being an engineer and then have an emotional crisis when they get fired. The point is, just like investing, you need to pick many different things to draw your sense of confidence from. When you walk up to a gorgeous girl and she's not interested, if you based your sense of confidence exclusively on being good with girls, you're going to be a wreck. But if you have a dozen other things going for you, it won't be a big deal. It's important to spread your identity and confidence out over a range of different things. Although some things are better than others, 
It's best if they're things you have some control over. It can really be anything. The important thing that it's many things. Here are some examples of things that might be useful to attach some of your confidence and identity to. Friendships. You're loyal to your friends and care about them. Fitness. You stay in good shape and respect your body. Hobbies. Having one or several things you're good at, like soccer, pool, swimming, painting, writing, bowling, or baseball, etc. Ambition. Whether or not you spend your day working to improve your life or wasted surfing Facebook or watching TV. Work. You kill it at your job. Integrity. You consider yourself to be a good, honest person. Intelligence. Being smart or thinking critically about things. And so on. Again, the key is to have many things. Say you identify strongly with being a loyal friend, being fit, being smart, being good at your job, being good at baseball, and generally being a good person. Say it's 2008 and you get laid off during the crash. Does it suck? Sure it does, but you're okay because you've got at least half a dozen other things going for you. Just like someone with diverse investments, you have diverse sources of confidence. Going back to the foundation analogy from earlier, maybe you lost a few support boards, but the foundation is still pretty solid and the support boards can always be replaced. How to diversify. So how do we get there? Just like you might invest money in various different stocks, bonds, or index funds to diversify your investments, you need to invest your time and mental energy in various different activities, hobbies, and relationships to diversify your confidence. There is no other way. If you invest a lot of time and mental energy in your job, for example, over time you'll get good at it. The same is true for fitness, nutrition, meditation, basketball, talking to girls, painting figurines, or competitive eating. While focusing the majority of your energy on the things that are most important to you is prudent because you'll improve in those areas faster, it's essential not to neglect the other aspects of your life that will support you when you have a major setback in one area. Bad shit will happen from time to time. When it does, you need an ecosystem of positive emotions, experiences, and hobbies that will help keep you afloat. It may seem like too much work to focus on many things, and that it might distract you from the most important thing, but what will happen is that everything will feed into everything else. While being good with girls is certainly the best way to feel confident about talking to them, other things like being fit, being funny, being intelligent, having a good job, and being good at sports will also boost your confidence with women. It all works together. A quick review. So let's recap everything we've learned about confidence. First, confidence comes from the aggregate of your experiences and how you interpret them. Confidence is your belief in your ability to do something or accomplish things in general and your feeling of self-worth. When you feel like you deserve something and you're sure you know how to get it, you're confident. Building on that, you need to develop confidence in many areas. The benefits of this are twofold. First, 
you are protected against the inevitable setbacks that you'll encounter, so you'll be able to stay confident and emotionally centered even when things don't go your way. This will allow you to keep projecting confidence and reaping the rewards of doing so even when things don't quite end up how you want them to. Second, your confidence in different areas will fuse together and all of it will contribute to your general sense of core confidence. Confidence that you bring into all situations regardless of what they are. What we need to do then is simple. We need to artificially create an environment where we can accomplish these things. Our focus here will be threefold. First, we'll focus on creating positive reference experiences. Even if it turns out not to be positive, we'll make a point to interpret them in a positive light, such as, even if that didn't work, I'm learning. Second, we'll focus on desensitization so that little setbacks don't have such a great effect. And third, we'll focus on developing your core competencies. We'll do all of this with the idea of diversification in mind. We'll be doing many different things in many different situations, so that if a few things don't go well, it won't be a big deal. With all that in mind then, let's get to it. Part 3 of this book is a customized, actionable program for building core confidence. Part 3. Confidence Exercises a customized confidence building program. In this chapter, you will learn the difference between knowing about confidence and being confident. Exactly what to do to become a confident alpha male. Massive action. Before we jump into the exercises, I want to reiterate a point I made in the introduction. This book is only as good as what you do with it. You could simply read this book and 100 other books like it, but you wouldn't get anywhere. You'd only know how to be confident, but not actually be confident. This will be the hardest part of the book. Most people will simply read the exercises, agree that they're intellectually a good idea, and decide that they should probably do something kind of like that at some point to build their confidence. Mmm, that feels nice. Now back to watching TV. Those people will never be confident and never get the kinds of results they want. Their dream girl will slip through their fingers, their social lives will be lackluster, and their professional lives will never reach their full potential. They will die bitter old men with a fascinating amount of rationalizations of why they didn't do something. The truth hurts. If you're thinking about just reading this, don't waste your time. Don't even bother. It won't help. Not unless you actually nut up and take massive action. In these last few books, I've shared with you everything that I've used to date the kind of girls I'd previously only dreamed of and succeed in virtually every area of life. Now there's just one thing I want from you do these exercises. Before you even read them, commit to doing them. They'll be hard and sometimes you won't want to, but trust me, if you actually do all of them, you'll create a foundation for the kind of confidence you always wanted. This will be extremely hard. 
you have years of bad habits that you'll have to escape. Years of rationalizations you'll have to destroy. But if you really do this, you'll feel more vital and alive than you ever have before. You'll be on the hero's journey. Now's the moment of truth. Are you going to do it or just skim over it with an amused and rueful smile? Step number one. Positive reference experiences. These first three exercises are meant to give you positive reference experiences. They'll push your comfort zone, but mostly they'll help you to realize that when you do the things that confident people do, nothing bad happens. The more your brain realizes that you can act confidently and nothing will happen to you, the easier it will be to act confident automatically. This is an issue that was used to protect us in tribal communities. If you came across another tribe you didn't know, you could possibly be killed if you said or did the wrong thing. So you naturally keep your mouth shut in environments when you don't know anyone. The instinct is still there, but the danger is completely non-existent. This exercise will help you realize this. Eyes of the Tiger For this first exercise, go to a busy place and walk around. Make strong, relaxed eye contact with 20 people and don't look away first. They could be people you know, people you casually interact with, or just random people that look your way. If you look away first, start over. Once they look away, you can look away and move on, and if they don't look at you, it doesn't count. Do this on five different occasions before moving on to the desensitization exercises in step two. After the first or second time, try smiling at people. See what happens. Again, don't break eye contact first. If someone asks you what you're looking at, just tell them you thought they were someone you know. So what happened? Are you okay? Did anything bad happen? You may be thinking, that's weird. Why would I stare at someone? Look, I'm not telling you to go around staring at people, and that's confidence. But at first, you may have to be a little extreme to instill the habit. After a while, it will just be natural. I guarantee you, you will have many girls telling you how beautiful your eyes are, or how intense your eyes are. It's an awesome feeling and is one of the foundations of confidence. Remember not to move on to the desensitization exercise until you own the eyes of the tiger exercise. What's for dinner? Call up three different restaurants and ask them about something on the menu. Ask how it's made, what's in it, and whether they like it. Spend two to three minutes on the phone at each place. If this seems too easy and comfortable, try asking more unusual questions like whether the meal is likely to make you fat or if it's good for someone with type 2 diabetes or something. Again, what happened? While this might have felt uncomfortable, was it really so bad? Once again, I am trying to hammer into you that the world is safe. You can be your authentic alpha self without the fear of being clubbed. Is it hammer time? For this last exercise in the first section, I want you to stop 10 people and ask them for the time. You should do this exercise three times before moving on to the next step. 
The first time, ask the first ten people you come across. The second time, ask ten guys who look like they're in their twenties. This will be slightly more uncomfortable for most people. And for the third time, ask ten girls you find attractive. If you can't find ten attractive girls, ask ten girls who are your age or younger. Again, note what happened. After you've done each of these exercises, the allotted number of times, you can move on to stage two. Step number two, desensitization. Step one probably wasn't so bad. You did do it, right? Right? Again, if you're not going to actually do these exercises, then this book isn't going to do you any good. This next step is going to be a bit harder. This is about going out and learning how to cope with social pressure and other uncomfortable situations. Remember that confidence is not just about expecting a positive result, but also about being able to handle a negative one. Toughen up and don't lose your cool. A nice cold wake up. Tomorrow morning when you wake up, when it's early and you're exhausted and you'd rather hit the snooze button a few times, I want you to immediately walk into the bathroom, turn the cold water in the shower on full blast, and step in. That's right, just step into the freezing cold water and stay there for 10 or 15 seconds. Don't do this if you have any constraining medical conditions. Do this three different mornings. It will suck, but you'll likely realize two things. First, that you can be scared to do something that won't really hurt you, and second, that the second you step out, you're fine. Nothing bad happened. You're okay. But those are the lessons you haven't actually learned yet. You won't really learn them until you do it. Grounded confidence. Go to a busy place where at least half a dozen people will see you. Like a grocery store, a mall, an intersection, or a sidewalk. Make sure there are people around and then simply sit down cross-legged. Stay there for 30 seconds and make sure at least a half a dozen people see you. If anyone asks, say you're just resting for a second. Now think about what happened. Are you hurt? How do you feel? Was that really that hard? Really be aware of the tricks your mind plays on you. The resistance that tries to stop you from doing the exercise. The rationalizations as to why you shouldn't do it. The feeling while sitting. What are people going to think of me? This will show you just how much you are your own worst enemy, but the awareness will also assist you in overcoming the resistance. Do this three different times before moving on to the next exercise. Social pressure. Next Friday or Saturday night, go to the most crowded bar or club in your area. Don't go to a tiny, half-empty bar where most people are sitting down unless you really have no other options. What you want is a big, loud, crowded club. Go there alone and stay for at least 30 minutes. Don't drink, don't sit down in the corner, and don't pretend to be doing something. This will be hard. You will feel awkward. Do it anyways. This will be the first of the exercises where most likely you won't feel good or empowered after you're done. It will probably feel like you got the emotional social shit kicked out of you. But did anything terrible happen? Are you still here? Do this before moving on to step number three. 
Step number three, skill. Confidence isn't just blind courage. A big part of confidence is being sure of your own abilities. It's about actually believing you can do something. Like we talked about in the first chapter, confidence is ultimately just a strong belief in yourself, a belief that you're worthy of what you're pursuing, coupled with a belief that you have the skills to actually get it. That's what this last section is about, building the skills you need to become confident in your abilities. Learn to approach daytime. What I want you to do here is simple. Go out somewhere public, find a girl you think is attractive, and go talk to her with the intention of getting her number. Simple, but not easy. Most people will not want to do this. Actually, most guys can't do this. When I do this, if I'm around friends that don't know me or are unconfident themselves, they literally can't believe it. They think I must know her or something. They just can't do it like most other guys. And I'm not going to say it's easy. It's nerve-wracking and feels incongruent. Unfortunately, if you want to be congruent with the alpha male part of yourself, you've got to do things that aren't congruent with the beta male parts of yourself. So go do it. Don't make excuses. You can use the template from my previous book if you want, or make up your own. Here is one example, in case you haven't read it. Excuse me. Hi. I just thought you were really gorgeous, and I wanted to come meet you. I'm Sean. I wish I could say, do this five times, and it should become comfortable and natural. But it will likely take a lot more than that. However, it will become easier over time. Treat it like an experiment. Try different things and see what works. Do it regularly so you can get a decent sample size. Remember what you learned in the past exercises. You're not going to die or be banished from chatting up some girls. Have fun with it. Speaking easy. Sign up to give a public speech sometime in the next month. There are all sorts of organizations that support this kind of thing. Toastmaster groups are in most cities and towns. No excuses. Sign up and do it sometime this month. The only exception is if you often speak publicly for your job. If it's something you do all the time, sign up to do something else that makes you uncomfortable. Like an improv class, karaoke, or an open mic. You could do anything at the open mic, like telling a joke, reading a poem, or just talking. This exercise is extremely powerful. But it is also the easiest one for you to rationalize your way out of. Don't let that happen to you. Fight it. This exercise has the ability to really up your game fast. It's true, people fear public speaking more than death. Listen to that again. People fear public speaking more than they do death. If you can overcome this fear, there really isn't anything that can stop you. Learn to approach nighttime. Go out again at night. This time, start with somewhere you're comfortable and work your way up to the venues with the hottest girls. This time, however, I want you to talk to five girls. The goal here isn't so much success, but rather to become comfortable and learn. Remember, this is a confidence-building program, not a feeling warm and fuzzy because a girl liked me program. Coincidentally, the latter will happen as a result of the former.
But just make sure that what you're trying to do is build confidence, not necessarily get a number or have a one-night stand. That is just a bonus, though. Like the daytime approaches, do this regularly until it becomes more comfortable and more natural. The more you do it, the better you'll get, and the more confidence you'll have that it'll work the next time. What to say? You can use the same approach as the daytime approach exercise, but what I really want you to do is say the first thing that comes to your mind. Your authentic feelings. This will free you in so many ways, and you will never run out of things to say. If you feel nervous, tell the girl. If you think the art sucks, say it. This will train you not to wait for the perfect line or moment. It will train you to be open, free, and expressive. Conclusion It's easy to read this book for entertainment or out of intellectual curiosity. It's something else entirely to actually use everything you've read here and consistently apply it to change your life. Do you want to know the one difference that separates the guys who become alpha males and those who don't? The ones who become alpha males are the ones who are willing to do what the rest of the guys won't. They're willing to go through the necessary steps to slowly and steadily build confidence, gradually taking on bigger challenges to shape their future personalities. These are the guys who will ultimately make the most money, have the most friends, and date the hottest girls. These are the guys that live the exciting lives and leave it all out there. At the end, they discover that they have truly lived. Are you one of them? What you do with the content of this book will tell you. If you enjoyed this book, then be sure to leave a positive review. It only takes a second, and it really helps me connect with my readers.